that you are the God of miracles. We thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. You are the God of healing. You are the God of restoration. You are the God of forgiveness. God, I am thankful that we don't have to chase after those things. We chase after you because you bring those things. And we want to seek you first. We don't want to chase the miracle. We want to chase the God behind the miracle. We don't want to chase the breakthrough. We want to chase the God who brings the breakthrough. God, we thank you that you have an open heaven for us. Jesus, you paid the price. You tore the curtain and made a way. And we just have to step into all that you have for us. God, I felt that as Riley brought a word that we're also not to give life to what you to the things that you have already broken. He said, don't speak to death because you've broken stuff. Let's not give life to what you have dealt with. Let's walk in our breakthrough. Let's stand in our victory because you are the God of miracles. You are the God who does the impossible. And we chase you. We chase you. God, have your glory this morning. You are so worthy of all our praise. God of miracles, the God of breakthrough, the God of so much, so, so much, the God of love. Oh, we honor you this morning. The God of our children, your children. Thank you for the blessing that they were for us this morning. We give you the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody else got goosebumps? Goosey gooseys. I'm going to leave a copy of these, which Camelia said, just on the stage here. If you want to come and grab one, you can come and grab one whenever you feel God's saying, go grab one. Don't worry about interrupting us. Ways to love. What an amazing, what an amazing little morning. The words that come out of their mouths is meditation that's on their hearts. Kids, God loves them. It was so exciting, so exciting. Wow. You know how sometimes in life you get a revelation or God removes a veil from from your eyes? It happens all the time. Well, I had one of those this week, well, probably about 10 days ago. I already knew what I knew, but because it becomes so natural to my my life, I've forgotten the importance and the impact of it. You ever have those where it brings a revelation of something that you already knew and you, it snaps you back to reality? Had one of those moments. You see, I was doing a bit of research and studying for today's message and seeking what God's plan and, and will was for this morning. And in the process, he opened my eyes to something that I knew, but I had forgotten the impact and the reality of it. Um, and he gave me this statement. He said to me, you are teaching your children how to parent. Ouch. Probably not the best time when I'm yelling at them or something. But we are teaching our children how to parent. Now, I knew that, but I forgot the impact and the importance of that. You see, I started looking at today's topic and today's message, I've given it a title, and it's called Changing the Outcome. 
Because my heart as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a work colleague, my heart is that in each of those areas of my life, that they are functioning at the highest capacity in love. That's my desire. And I'm going to be honest, they don't. Not all of those function in the highest capacity. My marriage, I'm not the, always the best husband. I'm not always the best father. I'm not always the best friend or the best work colleague. But that's my desire and my outcome is to have them functioning at the highest possible level of, of love. Because it's all based on love. And I'm not doing that. And, and God didn't reveal this to me in order to judge me or bring condemnation because that's not what he does. That's what the enemy does, right? He was lovingly revealing something to me that was needing to bring back an impact or the importance of the role that I was called as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a, a work colleague. And so I, I'm looking at the outcome. That's my desired outcome, but I'm not there. So changing the outcome means for me and probably for you and I that we need to change the investment. In order to have an outcome changed, I need to change what I'm investing into that in order to obtain the outcome that I'm longing for. Shani had this crazy thing pop up on her Facebook page which it said to her, you get what you work for, not what you wish for. <laughs> I can't wish for better relationships and hope that they happen. I have to intentionally invest into them. I have to invest into my children. I have to invest into my marriage, my work colleagues. I have to invest into my friendships. I can't just say I would love to have them and not do anything about it. So God revealed to me, you are training your children to be parents. But humbling and pride swallowing when that came about. How many of us as parents want our children to be better than us? Nice and high. Let me see the hands. Way, woo. Not talking about the... Uh, I don't want them to not make the mistakes that we've done. Okay, I want, how many of us want our children to be better than what we are, better than what, who we are? I did until 10 days ago. I don't want my children to be better than me. I want my children to be just like me. I'll let that sing in for a second. I don't want my children to be better than me. I want my children to be just like me. Some puzzled looks on your faces. <laughs> Maybe I should explain. I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I'm not saying that I'm all that and I've got it all together and I'm perfect and, you know, I'm the benchmark, I'm the level. I don't want you to think of me and say, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> not that, ooh, you're not all that. I realize that. And so did Paul. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He's not saying, follow me because I'm the man and I've got it all together. I'm perfect. He's saying, follow me because I'm following the man. I'm following him with such tenacity, with such a, a reckless abandonment that I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it's going to cost me. He says in Philippians 3.8, 3 verses 8 to 10, I count everything as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for who I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. It's not about Paul. It's about having the righteousness of Jesus. He is chasing him and pursuing him with this reckless abandonment that I don't care what it costs. I need his righteousness, not my own. Not righteousness that's from the law, but that which is through Christ. The righteousness from which is the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and fellowship of His sufferings. Paul is saying, "Don't follow me because I've got it all together." He's finally saying, "Follow me because I am following the One who has got it all together, and I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to do it with." everything that I possibly have. I don't want my children to be better than me. I want them to be just like me. I want my children to say, I want to be just like my dad because he's following God with reckless abandonment. I want my kids to say, you know, he's worthy of following because I'm following the man. I'm following the one who is the God of breakthrough. I'm following the one who's God of miracles. In every area of my life, I want it to function at the highest capacity of love because they need to imitate me. I don't want them to make the same mistakes as me. Sure, no parent wants that. But I want them to be pursuing God with a passion. And if I need to change the outcome, then I need to change the investment. You see, we are teaching our children how to parent. We are teaching our children how to be generous. We have an amazing piece of information here that speaks to generosity. We are teaching our children how God says we can be trusted with a little and he can be trusted with a lot. We are teaching our children how to give We've got our uh, rebate forms, what do you call them, tax donation receipts come out. They're on the back table. Great tool and an opportunity to explain to your children what that is and why you have got one. These are all little tools that God puts in your hands in order to say, I give because it's a God who gives to me. I want to have a home where generosity flows. We saw that in the Ark of the Covenant. You were generous with your time, with your finances. You sowed little seeds. We need to be teaching our children about generosity. Yours are all on the back table. Take them home. Share with your children what generosity looks like. You teach them generosity. We teach our children what faith looks like. We teach our children what love looks like. We are teaching our children what forgiveness looks like. The conversations that you have when no one else is looking. Someone, DC Talk, put out a song called What If I Stumble? Yeah? What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Would the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble? What if I fall? We are showing and teaching our children what forgiveness looks like. 
get a kick in them while they're down or someone else is down? Are we teaching them forgiveness looks like putting a hand around them, gathering them in, bringing healing and restoration and supporting them? Because we are teaching our children what forgiveness looks like. We're teaching them what grace looks like. We're teaching our children what mercy looks like. We're teaching them what honor looks like. This was a a kick in the pants moment for me. Because sometimes I can mock and make fun of my parents. She knows that too. She's fully aware of it. I do it to her. (laughs) But what am I teaching my children about honor? How many times have I said it out of out of, not out of love. And I'm wanting my children to walk in respect and honor. And you know, I myself, maybe not honoring as much as I should be. Honoring people in positions despite of who they are. Your parents are your parents. We need to honor them for the position, not for the mistakes they make or the, the stuff that they've done, but we've got to bring honor. It's the fifth commandment. Hey, youth, you learned that on Friday night? One of our quizzes. But we're teaching them what honor looks like. We're teaching them. Because sometimes you are saying things and you think nobody's listening. There are always watching. There's someone always listening. Someone always watching what you say. We are teaching them what spiritual warfare looks like. Louise helped Shani and I through that a couple of weeks ago. And we were able to bring our children into that environment because we come under a bit of a, an attack. And my children were too. And so we brought them in because they need to know how to use the blood of Jesus. Okay? And they need to know when the enemy's after them, how to counteract and come back and say, I don't think so. You steal. You steal from me. The word says you've got to give me back seven times. Woohoo! You let your kids know that. Come on. They're putting God's word. We are teaching them what spiritual warfare looks like. Not the hairy, scary, woo stuff. But it's God's word and it's his blood. We don't have to get loud and ferocious. We can be powerful because we apply to his blood and his word into the situation. We need to teach our children that. We need to teach our children what integrity looks like. Are you the same here as you are at home? Hopefully my children would say, it's pretty close. I need to teach my children what it looks like to be humble and have humility. When I make a mistake, what it looks like to apologize and accept responsibility for my actions. We're teaching our children what commitment looks like. Is your yes, yes. Does your yes mean no because you want to see what else comes up that might be more fun. We're showing and teaching our children what commitment looks like in relationships, in marriages. We're teaching our children what work ethic looks like. When we sit around playing games and having fun, which is all good, but there are times when we need to stop being passive and put our feet to the plow and hands to them. And we are showing our children what it likes to have a work ethic. 
We are teaching our children what the importance and the power of prayer is. When they hear there's a prayer meeting on, we are teaching them the importance and the power of prayer. Corporate prayer. Individual prayer. Not just grace. (laughs) We're teaching those who are watching what the value of prayer looks like in your life. We are teaching them what repentance looks like to acknowledge and accept their responsibility to turn around and walk away. We are showing them these things. We are teaching them what a half-hearted attitude looks like, what it looks like to be lukewarm when it comes to attending church. And it's regularity and it's fact that we just turn up when we want to. Quarter past, ten past, twenty past, oh, better late than never. Mm. You ask Jesus what he talks about, better late than never. But we are teaching our children whether we have church and God and the fellowship and seeking his presence as important to us by the fact that, oh, no, I can't be bothered this morning, I'm too tired. You are an example to our children. Your regularity, your passion, your exuberance, yes, it's not always easy to get here, but you get here because you're teaching them perseverance and determination. You're teaching them what is a priority despite how I feel. We are teaching our children that reading God's word is not that important because we very rarely pick it up ourselves or talk about it. We are also teaching our children that it's okay to call ourselves Christians and yet do everything that the world does. Carry on with our foul language, our drinking excessively, our telling of inappropriate jokes, the things we watch that are inappropriate, the conversations that we have that are inappropriate. We are teaching our children. Someone's always watching. So you can see why it was a bit of a kick in the pants when God said to me, you are teaching your children. Let it be a kick in the pants. My favorite Bible, you know that one? It's good. It's my top 10. My favorite verse in the Bible is Ephesians 5.1. Anybody can yell it out to me. It's my favorite. You should all know it. (laughs) Don't work like that. Okay. Has been for a number of years. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children constant reminder that my children are watching me and that we are to imitate Christ. We are to be chasing him with a reckless abandonment because they are following you and I. Not just your children, but those that are in your circle are looking, for, looking to you, watching you. People who don't know Jesus are looking for something different. It's not your responsibility to put on a badge and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I live exactly like you. They know what it looks like to live in the world. They want what you have. They want something different. And you are that example. We are constantly teaching people what it looks like to be Jesus. Statements that say, I used to say this one all the time, 
Look, just do what I say, don't do what I do. Rubbish. Because your actions speak louder than your words. Show me your faith without works. We have a responsibility to be that example for our generations and those below us and our children that we raise. My desire is my children have a healthy, strong relationship with God. There is no greater responsibility for me as a parent than that. That they know Christ relationally. Not just head knowledge. They don't want to know just about Jesus. For you to tell them about Jesus, you need to show them Jesus. Most of us would say that we want our children to be better than us. I challenge you to say, I want my children to be just like me. Because in order to change the outcome of them being better than you, you need to change the investment. And that investment is you. You need to change the investment in you. So that you lead in a way that says, follow me as I follow Christ. And then our kids and our other generations say, no, I want to be just like him. Because he loves God. I see it in his faith. I see it in his, his willingness to sacrifice, to serve, to give. Every, every area of his life is functioning at the highest capacity. And he's showing me Jesus. I want to be just like him. I want to show you a quick video that hopefully will spark a little bit of a reminder. This is a, it's a great video. Imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff that's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can... Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now, just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. 
Where's your investment? We chase after so much of the red bit, don't we? Because we think that's what's going to bring us joy, that's what's going to bring us happiness, when the white bit is what we should be aiming for. How are you investing your life? Life is short, eternity is not. Great statement. If you look at Abraham in the Bible, he was prepared to sacrifice everything, even Isaac, his own son. Waited a hundred years for his son. God called him to sacrifice. What I love about that is that God called him and the next day he got up and left. I would have probably spent a couple of years debating with God on that one. What did it say to Isaac about Abraham's faith and obedience to his father. What would have it said to Isaac? Obviously, they had some pretty heavy discussions after the event, as we know that God stopped Abraham from doing it. He was prepared with faith and obedience to do what God had called him to do. Nothing was going to stop him. What did that say to Isaac about his faith and love in his father? Probably not to go camping with him again, but <laughs> a bit crazy going on that camping trip. What does it say? What is the witness, the example that Isaac got from Abraham because of his faithful and, and obedience? What about Noah and his three sons? God calls him to build a boat, a big ark. It's not just your 12-footer. It's colossal because the rains are coming. What rains? It's never rained before. What was the culture? What was the pressure of around Noah at that time? The ridicule, the embarrassment. And he was faithful to his task. Took him a long time to build that boat. What did his faith and his obedience and his willingness to serve God, no matter what the cost looked like for his children? My goodness. We have an opportunity as parents on the back of breakthrough and the breakthroughs that God has already brought into your life to walk in the victory so that our children don't have to fight fights that you need to fight on their behalf. We are their example. We need to stand strong. We need to be chasing God with reckless abandonment. We need to be walking in the victory that he's already purchased for us so that our children recognize and realize the victory that they have available to them too. They don't get held back. They don't get bound up. They don't get locked into chains that they can stand with the word of God because you're investing into their lives. We're all investing into their lives. Where is your investment? What does your faith in works look like? We're saved by grace. But your children, our children, people are watching the fruit of your life. What are you investing into? We're going to have the children are coming back in now. And I want you to stand as families. And my challenge is to the men. You need to step up. And you need to pray for your families. You need to lead by example. If you have your family here, men. Wives, if you have no husbands here, kick them in the pants maybe. 
But we need to. We need to be showing Jesus. We're going to stand together as families. They can all come in. And we're going we're gonna, to, in your group, you're going to pray a blessing over your family. Because we are the example that we set for our children. If you don't come with the family, find one to jump in with. These kids are our example. You saw the heart of God come out of them this morning, and it blessed you. So we're going to take time, just a couple of minutes, to speak and pray a blessing over your families. Let this be a start of something new if it's not new for you. So if you are youth, not sitting with your families, you can go and sit with your families. I can see some of you are not with family. That means now. (laughs) But let's be the example. Let's be Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. If you find space, if you need to, this is where you get up and you move and you speak a blessing over your family. We're going to do that. Grab someone. If you see someone not with family, pull them in because we are all God's family. Okay? Pray for your loved ones. Let's go.